Just a couple weeks ago, my oldest son uh, turned 23, and uh, it's that happened. Uh, Daisha and I began, not began, we, I guess continued to look at ourselves and like, what? Like, how are we getting older like this? How is this happening? How is our son 23? And, uh, and we remembered a picture, uh, and this is it, uh, Daisha holding our son, or now 23, um, and uh, obviously uh, things change. Now, I don't think she's changed much at all, but, but he's changed a lot. And, uh, and, and, and you guys can look at your own lives and your own kids and realize, oh man, I'm getting older. Uh, and maybe that reality you hit you like, like a brick this morning uh, trying to get up out of bed. I, I don't know. Um, but every single one of us are, are getting older. I mean, we, we do lots of things to try to, to stop that. We do lots of things to try to slow that down, whether that's exercise or eating right or oil belay or, or whatever, uh, we, we do all kinds of things to try to slow the aging process down, but the reality is it can't be avoided. I mean, yes, I could take my son and put a diaper on him and a pasty in his mouth and try to, try to rock him, 200 and some odd pound kid, trying to rock, a, well, man, now, that would be freaky. Like, that wouldn't even be right. Um, we could do it and deny the fact that he's getting older, but the truth is he's getting older, and we are too, and so are you. And it's inevitable. It's avoidable. It's unavoidable. You, it, you cannot stop that in your life. But can I tell you, there's something that the Bible tells us is so much more important for us to think about and for us to realize than, than us aging, because that's a reality for every one of us. But a reality that the Bible says that every single one of us needs to think about, every one of us needs to come to face with, is this thing that we're going to talk about. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says, that is appointed unto every single one of us, unto every single one of you, to die. Here, here's the Borton translation of that. I am going to die. That, that's what Hebrews 9 is saying. I am going to die. And the reality is, so are you. If we're honest about it, that's a reality that you and I cannot avoid. It is inevitable. You have an appointment with death. And, and you're like, wow, this is, is this going to be a really encouraging message or one of those that I'm just going to leave feeling really, ugh. Well, hopefully a little bit of both. Um, but I can tell you this, you're going to die. It's a reality. It is something that's going to happen. And the, and the truth is, you don't know when, you don't know how, and you don't know where. You don't know when that's going to come. You have no idea. I, I've had funerals for babies. I've had funerals for teenagers. I've had, I've had funerals for 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 90-year-olds, 100-year-olds. You do not know the day, the hour, or when or where it's going to happen. But, but I, can, I can tell you, you're going to die. But Becca, can I also tell you this? It's not the end. It is not the end. Yes, you are going to die, but the Bible makes it clear, it is not the end. It is not the end. Now with that, with that, there is good news and there's bad news. And last week, we, we spent much time on bad news and, and, and in that reality, we, we also had to come face-to-face -face with the reality of, am I willing to trust God with my life? Am I willing to trust God with my death? Am I willing to trust God with the effects of, 
of death and sin in, in this world in which we live. And again, I challenge you from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. See, the, the, the question is, is God worthy to be trusted with my life? Is God worthy to be trusted with my death? See, if, if God is not trustworthy with all, then he should not be trusted at all. And that, this is what this verse is saying. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What, what, is, what is he trying to get across to us? You have a decision to make. And it's either one or the other. Live for God or live for yourself. Do, it, do life the way God says or do life the way you want and the way you say. That, that's, that's ultimately the choice. And even in our life and in our death, ultimately we choose. God gives us that ability to choose. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden. What are you going to choose? Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, to go their own way, and sin against God, and that has affected every single one of us. Because of that, sin entered into this world. Death entered into this world as a result of sin. And the Bible makes it clear that you and I have a decision to make. Trust God or trust yourself. But ultimately, you make that choice. Ultimately, you're the one who is going to either trust yourself or trust God. And so we come back to this reality. I'm going to die, but it's not the end. I'm going to die, but it's not the end. The bad news about that is, number one, that the effects of death cannot be avoided. You can't avoid death. I don't, I don't care what what modern whatever comes up with, you are still going to die. And maybe now, I mean, maybe they can put you in some kind of chiral sleep, or whatever, frozen sleep, whatever it is, and you're asleep for a thousand years, you're still going to wake up and die. It's just a reality. It's going to happen. And there's bad news to that, and the bad news is, is that you physically are going to die. And, and every single one of us, we understand that because we face that in the sense of someone else we love, care about, close their eyes in death. And what happens when we close our eyes in death? The body says, or the Bible says, to be absent from the body. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. So what does that mean? That means that, that our body, there's something about, yes, our body dies, but there's something else that happens. What happens at physical death is that your soul vacates your body. Who you really are, your soul leaves your body behind. This is, this is just skin and tissue and muscle and, and, and bones. This, you're going to leave. This is going to die. And some of y'all realize that more and more every single day. It is going to happen. Your, your soul is going to leave your body. You are going to face physical death. That is, that is bad news. It's going to happen. And some of you understand that very, very well because you're grieving over the loss of someone in your life, even to this very moment. But that's not the end either. 
The Bible, does, the Bible teaches that that's not an end. Death is not an end. It's not an all she wrote. It's not a, it's not a you die and then that's it. The Bible makes it clear that not only is there physical death, but there also is spiritual death. And this is the really, really bad news. Because every single one of us deserves spiritual death. Why? Because the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. And that's talking about physical and spiritual Physical death, our soul leaves our body. Spiritual death, our soul separates from God for eternity. And that's what you and I deserve. Why? Because for all have sinned, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all of us deserve it. And that's bad Really bad news. All of us deserve to be eternally separated from the presence of God. And the Bible makes it clear. 2 Thessalonians verse, uh, one, or chapter 1, verse 9 says, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. That's not, that's talking about a place. Where, where? What the Bible makes very clear is that that, that what we deserve is eternal separation from God in hell. That's, Jesus himself talked more about hell than he did about heaven. Why? Why would he do that? I'll tell you why he did that. Because his desire is that we would not be eternally separated from him. His desire is that we would not have spiritual death. That we not experience spiritual death. Death. That, that's why Jesus, that's why God's word says, and Jesus even said, those that believe in me will have eternal life. Because God's desire is, is that you would not experience eternal death, but you would have eternal life. And so while it's true that the effects of death cannot be vo- avoided, the good news is, is that hell can be. You can avoid being eternally separated from God. You can say no to being eternally separated from God. God, that's right, no. Nice job. No. Kids are good at saying that. I'm good at saying that. No. You do not have to. You do not have to die spiritually. God does not send anyone to hell. God does not make anybody spend eternity in hell. We choose it. That's what I'm saying earlier. Either it's God's way or it's my way. And God's way is is that you would choose life and that you would have it abundant. That you would have it eternal. God's desire, God's will is that none would perish. None would experience spiritual death. That all would come to understand his love and his desire to be in relationship with you. That's God's desire. That's what God wants. And that is where we can get the really, really good news. And so I want you to turn, if you would, to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is the story of a really, really good friend of Jesus. His name's Lazarus. Lazarus becomes sick. And as Lazarus, as that sickness 
it, it grows and proceeds, it leads to his death. Before that happens, though, Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, they, they call for Jesus. Now, they didn't call him on a phone. They, they had to send a, a message via somebody on a donkey or a horse or walking or whatever. So it gets to Jesus, this message, and Jesus isn't able to go to where Lazarus is at. And Lazarus dies. And in verse 17, we pick up the story, and it says, When Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been dead already four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. They were grieving together. Which, Listen, if we know somebody who's lost someone, we should be willing to grieve with them. We should be willing to come alongside of them. They're grieving together. So when Martha, verse 20, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What's she doing? She's letting Jesus have it. She is, she is, been let down she is upset with Jesus if you had been here Lazarus would not have died Jesus I mean basically she's saying to him we sent you a message why didn't you come and because you didn't come my brother's dead you could have saved him just like all these other people that we've watched you save we watched you bring back to life. We've watched you heal. Jesus, why didn't you show up? I love that about, about Jesus. I love this about God. He allows us to express our heart's discontent with him. And guess what? He's big enough to handle it. He doesn't condemn her. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't come down on her and say, why would you say such things to me? No, he, he listens to her. But what I find amazing, too, is that what Martha says in that second part, I know whatever you ask of God, that it can be done. So what is she saying? I, I am let down, I'm upset, but I'm going to trust you even though I don't understand. Even though I don't get what is happening, even though I don't, I don't know why you didn't come when we asked you to come, even though I don't get the circumstances of my life, God, I am going to trust you. That's huge. That's huge. Can I just say to you, if you're grieving, grieve, please grieve. Do it. Don't try to ignore it. Don't try to put it off. Grieve. God will let you. God wants you to. But be also be willing to say, listen, I'll trust you, God, even though I don't get it. Even though, God, I'm upset about it. Even though, God, this doesn't make any sense, I'm going to trust you. And then Jesus says something to her that's really interesting. Verse 23, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother is alive, is what he's saying to her. You know, she's got to be going, wait, uh, 
He's dead over there in the grave, Jesus. I don't know if you know that. Because her answer, her, her reaction to it, we see in verse 24, Martha says to him, oh, yeah, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She doesn't believe he's alive. She doesn't believe that, that he's, that this is going to happen. She, she knows, yes, someday there's going to be an event down the road where the dead are going to rise again. Yes, I, I consent to that. She's, she's basically giving Jesus a Sunday school answer to, to this problem. I've been raised in the church, and so here's my, here's my rebuttal to that answer. And, and, and she's like, I know that's going to happen, but it's someday. It's not now. And then Jesus says something to her that's just amazing, that's really, really good news for not just her, but for you and I. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. No, no, Martha, you're looking for someday. I'm saying resurrection is here and it's now. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the one that can bring your brother to life. I'm the one that can give you life. I'm the one that has the ability to give you eternal life. I'm the one who can do all this in your life, and it's not someday. It's here, and I'm here, and I'm going to do this now. I can bring you life, Martha. I can bring your brother life, Martha. I I can do this for you now. And the beauty is, as he goes on, as he's saying, if you believe in me, though you die, you will live. That die is the physical death. Though you die physically, you will still be alive. So Jesus acknowledges again, I am going to die, but this is not the end. There is an eternity that every single one of us will face. And then he says, if you live and believe in me, you shall never die. What is he talking about? He's talking about spiritual death. You will never taste separation from God ever if you believe in me. Notice what he says, though. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Notice what he doesn't say there. If you believe in the church, if you believe in your baptism, if you believe in your catechism, if you believe in that you, your good works are going to outweigh your bad, if you believe in this or you believe in that, no, no, he says, if you believe in me. There's a reason why he says that because Jesus also in John Later on in John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through, anyone? Me. Not through the church. Not through your baptism. Not through your catechism. Not, not, through, not through your good works outweighing your bad. Through me. Now, do I think those other things are good? Yes, I think those other things are good. I mean, like, like I'm going to stand up here as a pastor and be like, no, nah, I don't attend church. Don't worry about 
Y'all didn't even laugh. Come on, seriously? Like, like a pastor is going to tell you that. No, nah, it's okay. Skip out in church. It's all right. Don't, don't worry about it. No, do I think it's a good idea? Yes, I think it's a good idea. Do I think you coming here is going to save you? No. That's right. There it is again. No. Do I think you getting in the baptism tank and being dunked under the water is a good thing? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, it is. But will it save you? Will it save you? No. No, it won't. It will not. The only thing, the only one who can save you is Jesus. And he is the resurrection and the life. And you know what's awesome about Jesus? He doesn't just say it. Jesus isn't just a bunch of words. Jesus isn't just some words on a page in a book called the Bible. See, that's where Jesus is different than, than any other religious leader ever. Than any other human being ever. Because not only does Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life, he goes out and he proves it by living it. And so what does Jesus do? Aaron alluded to it. Jesus on Friday... He gets arrested, and he gets tried, and then he gets crucified. And in that crucifixion, he, his blood was shed as the perfect payment for our sin. Because there had to be a sacrifice for sin. Always had to be, always will be. And that sacrifice that you and I have is Jesus. And then he said, it is finished. And the Bible says, and he closed his eyes and bowed his head and died. Guess what? Jesus, just like you and me, has an appointment with death. He had an appointment with death. And guess what? He died. He died physically. But guess what? That wasn't the end. (laughs) That's not the end. Because what happened just a couple days later, up from the grave, he arose. Some ladies and some guys go to the tomb the stones roll away. They look in. They don't see him. An angel is standing there and says, hey, I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but check this out. Matthew 28, verse 6. He is not here. He has risen as he said. In other words, Jesus is alive. Turn to somebody tell them, Jesus is alive. Tell them that. Man, you're just like the angel. Y'all are like, oh, I'm an angel? Now, don't y'all go getting swelled heads because some of y'all maybe, mm, we'll check on that, but whatever. You, you just said it, Jesus is alive. Jesus is the, the resurrection and the life. He not only said it, he goes out and he proves it. And the thing about Jesus is that he walked out of the grave to walk into your life. He wants to have a relationship with you, desires for you to never experience second that 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 spiritual death. That separation from God. He's alive. Here's the thing though, he asks Martha in verse 26 and I'm going to close with this the same question. Because imagine you putting yourself in Martha's shoes. 
And let's just say you're sitting at a coffee table or wherever and you're having some coffee with Jesus. And Jesus is telling you all this stuff. And then he looks at you across the table and he says this question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I can't answer that for you. You can't answer that for me. Your mom, your dad, nobody else, nobody. I don't care if they've told you a hundred times you're saved, you have a relationship with Jesus. Listen, if you do not believe for yourself that you have a relationship with Jesus, my friend, I would not trust. I don't care what anybody else tells you. I don't care what I tell you. What does God say? Do you believe this? You're sitting across from Jesus because guess what? The reality is Jesus is right here and he's asking you this right now. Why do I know that? Because earlier you asked God to speak to your heart. And guess what? God's word, Jesus himself is saying, do you believe this? What's your answer? You think about that. You hold on to that. Because the reality that I asked of you earlier, will you ask God to speak to your heart? The follow-up question to that is, what is he saying? What is God speaking to you in your heart about? And if it's this, this very thing, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe this to be true? Do you believe that he is as Martha responds? Yes, I believe you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You have come into this world. Do you believe this? Can I ask you to do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes, bow your head, just so that you're not looking around, just thinking about this, not being distracted by whatever is going on, just thinking about Jesus is sitting across from you asking you this question. Do you believe this? I'm not Jesus, not even remotely close. But I'm too going to ask you this question. Do you believe this? Can I ask you to do something? If, if your answer to that is yes, I believe this. Everybody's eyes are closed. Everybody's heads are bowed. The only one looking around is me. That's it. And I, I may not even see everybody. But if your answer to that is yes, would you do me a favor and just throw up your hand and say, yes, I believe. I believe, and I believe this. Raise your hand, raise it up high, throw it around like you just don't care, because, listen, I mean, this is, this is serious stuff. All right, you can put your hands down. Again, I, I don't know who put their hands up, I don't know who didn't, but can I just ask you, those of you that didn't, why? Like, like what's keeping you from it? What, what is it that, that, that's keeping you from saying, yes, I believe this? Is it that you're intellectually going, I can't wrap my mind around this? Again, I bring you back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Are, are, you, are you saying that you need to elevate your understanding above trusting God in order to say yes? Are you sure that, that that's what you want to do? 
that right now. Just talk to him. Just tell him, you know what, I didn't believe. I'm not even sure that I ever did, but right now I'm putting my faith and trust in you, Jesus, and I believe. And you can walk out of here knowing you believe. Yeah, you may not be able to intellectually wrap your mind around everything of God. Can I just say, welcome to the club, because neither do I. But what I want to do is trust him, even though I don't understand it. Even though I don't get it, I want to trust him. Because I want to know that I have eternal life. I don't know about you, but I do not want to be separated from God for eternity. Listen, again, nobody's forcing you to do anything. I'm not twisting your arm here, none of that. If it's God speaking to your heart, let him, let him in. If you say you know him, so a lot of you raised your hand, you said, yeah, I believe. Some of y'all are thinking you're off the hook. (laughs) That's funny. Um, No, you're not. Because you say you believe in Jesus, that's awesome. I'm, that's super cool. Would your lifestyle, would the way you're living your life, back that truth up in your life? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the Savior. I believe he's the Son of God. Okay? Does your life believe that? Does the way you're living your life believe that? Do others around you know it? Father, thank you that you know our hearts. And God, thank you that you sent your son Jesus to pay it all. Would you help us? acknowledge that today and say yes I believe this and I'm going to live my life for this for Jesus thank you that you paid it all why? because you love us so so much yes we don't deserve it but guess what I'm so glad God that you don't base our salvation on our worth. It's based on your grace and your mercy and you offer to us that every day. Thanks for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's stand. Let's sing. Jesus paid it all. You believe it?